Good evening, Emmanuel. My name is Will Eastham. I'm one of the lay ministers here. And it's so good to be with you all this Monday, Thursday. And I thought it was interesting that this past Sunday, right before the start of Holy Week, the Surgeon General said he thought this would be one of the most difficult and intense weeks of the entire pandemic. I figured it's so appropriate as we're getting ready to head into Holy Week, and now we're in Holy Week, which is one of the most intense weeks of Jesus' entire life, like Father Aaron said during his fireside chat. I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but I feel like in some ways the Surgeon General's prophecy sort of came true, where for me, you know, whatever, whatever disappointment, whatever anxiety or fear, whatever grief, sort of lagged behind the last following weeks just because of all the chaos and the novelty of sheltering in place and being at home and trying to wrap my mind around what's happening happening globally. All of that sort of caught up with me this week and the real pressure of our situation and the pressure and intensity of also not really seeing an end in sight started to weigh on me more than it had the past few weeks. And, you know, in, in times of trial and adversity, when, when the pressures of life just grip our soul, it's almost like a wrung towel. Like when the pressures of life squeeze us, whatever's inside of us comes out, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And maybe some of the good came out in the past few weeks, some of the optimism that things would return back to normal soon, Maybe some of the, you know, trying to look on the bright side of maybe I have some extra time or there's an opportunity for solitude, there's an opportunity for self-reflection. But as this has gone on, it's like all of the good has gone out and maybe as the pressure has weighed on you this week and as there's no end in sight, some of the ugly has started to come out too. Some of the less than pleasant things have started to come out. I think something that's beautiful and comforting for us as we face the pressures of our own hour of crisis is looking at Jesus and how when the pressures of Jesus's hour of crisis, Jesus's intense hour of suffering come and they grip him and they squeeze his soul, what comes out of Jesus's soul, what comes out of Jesus's heart is cleansing, sacrificial love. It's a lavish and a steadfast love that actually has the power to heal and to wash all of the things, the disturbing things, the ugly things, the unpleasant things that may be getting squeezed out of our souls even now. So let's look together at what comes out of Jesus's heart under pressure on Monday, Thursday. Look with me at John 13, starting at verse one. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So the shadow of the cross has been looming over Jesus his whole life. And at least for the last three years, he's talked about it. He's had a deep awareness of it. But now it's like that awareness has reached a fever pitch. It's, it's Thursday night. And in just 24 hours... Jesus is about to experience 
the most intense suffering he's ever experienced in his whole life. So with all of this intensity buzzing in the background of his supper with his disciples, what do we see is on Jesus's mind? What, when these, these pressures press in on every side, what gets squeezed out of Jesus's heart? Look with me again at the second part of verse 1. When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. When Jesus gets wrung out, it's all love. It's pure goodness. I mean, Jesus is, is pure love all the way to the bottom. And do you notice how this fullness of Jesus' love is actually indicated and highlighted by the text, by the way in which the text moves from the past to the future tense? It says, having loved his own who were in the world in the past, those who he, he called, who he drew to himself, who he taught and ministered with, people he poured his life into, he loved them to the end. He loved them all the way to the future. He loved them all the way to the cross where he sacrificed himself for them and laid down his life on their behalf to wash away their sins. And what I think is so interesting is that the end hasn't even come yet. There's still so much that Jesus is going to do, still so much that he's going to lay down and suffer for them out of love in the next 24 hours. And yet it's like the resolve in Jesus's love, the resolve in Jesus's heart, the intensity of his love and the fullness of his love is so great that it's almost like it's already happened. It's as good as done. It's already in the past. He loved them to the end. I love how one commentator puts it. He says, Jesus came to the cliff of the cross and didn't change his mind. He walked over the edge. At a moment when most of us would probably draw back, or feel empty, like we have no more to give, Jesus actually comes closer, and Jesus still has more love inside of him to get wrung out. He still has more love he wants to lavish on his disciples. Look at how he does this, starting at verse 2. During the supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from the supper, and he laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began washing the disciples' feet and wiping them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now I imagine that as soon as Jesus got up, the eyes of the disciples were on him, just following him around the room. As he took off his outer garment, as he uh, you know, filled the basin with water, as he put a towel around his waist. And I imagine that they started looking at each other like, what is Jesus about to do? You know, it's like in, in Jesus's day, washing feet, it was such a dirty job. It was the kind of job that Maybe Jesus' disciples would wash his feet because he was above them and because they had love for him, but they weren't going to wash each other's feet. They definitely wouldn't expect Jesus 
to stoop down and to wash their feet. But it's such an incredibly concrete, practical, and meaningful way that Jesus wants to show them the fullness of his own love to them, to display the fullness of his love for them, for he's about to be betrayed, and to do it fully and finally on the cross. Jesus, he's, he's so good, and he's so beautiful. He's so full of resilient love that even under the pressures of Good, of good Friday looming in, what gets wrung out of his heart is, is this desire to love and serve them in a thankless and concrete way. And I think that it's highlighted and even more startling by the fact that we're told in verse 2 that the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray him. So under, under pressure, under the pressure of the hour, what's wrung out of Judas's heart is double-mindedness, sort of a hypocrisy, something that had been there all along. We know from the scriptural accounts that Judas had sort of been half in, half out with Jesus and with the disciples, that he had a front of being invested and, uh, you know, being with them, yet he was withholding really dark parts of his character from them. He was concealing his weaknesses and was even stealing money from their shared purse without telling anyone. And he was able to get away with it. But in the intensity of this hour, it's like all of his weaknesses are exposed and come to the surface. And when the devil sees that, the devil capitalizes on it and takes advantage of it. So Jesus knows what the disciples don't at this point now, which is that Judas already has it in his heart to hand Jesus over to the authorities to be arrested, and that he's going to do it for some under-the-table cash. Jesus knows this. And what does Jesus do? He stoops down, he takes off Judas' sandals, and he washes his feet. I think that this is so beautiful that Jesus knows what's in the heart of Judas. And yet Jesus' own heart for Judas, his own heart for his disciples is so strong that he has the bandwidth, he has the empathy, he has the, the resilient love to wash Judas's feet. But I think that the reason Jesus can do this is because he doesn't just know Judas is going to betray him, but he knows something else, something actually much deeper. Look with me at what that is in verse 3. I think we get a glimpse of it. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from the supper. Jesus can wash Judas's feet. Jesus has got such deep reserves of love because his heart is intimately connected to the heart of the Father. Jesus loves, he loves Judas, he loves us with a confident heart, a heart that knows that he's the Father's beloved, a heart that knows the Father cares for him, that he, comes, he came from the Father, he's going back to the Father, the Father's not going to abandon him to death. It's a heart that is sturdy and resilient, it's a heart that is ready and prepared. It's a heart that ultimately is well-loved. It's well-nurtured by the Father's love. And that gives him the deep reserves 
to be able to serve and display an incredible act of love on someone who's about to betray him. I think we see that Jesus' resilient love doesn't just stop with how he loves and serves Judas, but look at how look at how the heart of Jesus gets poured out on Peter too, even in Peter's moment of weakness. Look with me at verse 6. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I'm doing you do not now understand, but afterward he will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. So while double-mindedness got wrung out of Judas's heart under pressure, we see that what gets wrung out of Peter's heart under pressure is anxiety. That's an anxiety that we've seen in Peter throughout uh, Jesus' entire ministry, as long as he's been following him. And it's an anxiety that really is connected to the fact that Peter doesn't like the cross. He does not like the humiliation of the cross. And he doesn't like the way in which the humiliation of Jesus washing his feet foreshadows the humiliation, the utter humiliation of the cross. Jesus, Jesus is about to go to the cross, and, and uh, he's been very clear about that. And Peter, he doesn't like the cross or want the cross for himself. He doesn't like it. He doesn't want it for Jesus. And so when Jesus uh, foreshadows the cross in this act of humility, we see that Peter starts to try and anxiously manage and control Jesus. You see how he, he powers up, how he says, are you going to wash my feet? And when Jesus insists that it's something he has to do that Peter's not going to understand now, he, he powers up even more in his anxiety and he says, you will never wash my feet. So what, is, what does Jesus do? How does he respond to the way in which Peter's kind of, kind of trying to control Jesus? How does he respond to Peter's anxiety? I love that Jesus gently, lovingly, but firmly puts up a boundary. He says, he says, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. And, you know, he, he knows that even though Peter lets him, he capitulates and says, fine, well then wash my, my head and also my hands. You know, he knows that for all of Peter's intensity and exuberance in that moment, he's about to deny him in just a few hours. And yet he still stoops down, takes off his sandals, and he washes his feet. And he wants to do this. He wants to love and serve his disciples in this way. Not because he's angling, not because he's, you know, just desiring to ingratiate them or to uh, seek their approval through an act of humility. Jesus, Jesus actually wants to free them. He's not trying to anxiously manage them, but he wants to free them. He wants to free them to receive and ultimately to display this same kind of resilient love that flows from his heart and flows from the heart of the Father. You know, when, when our weaknesses get exposed like they are now, when our weaknesses get exposed under pressure, we're actually given an opportunity to come to Jesus and to be cleansed by the love that flows from his heart. 
We're given an opportunity to come to Jesus in our weakness and to receive his love and his grace, his gospel afresh. Jesus knew what was in Judas's heart. And Jesus knew what was in Peter's heart. Jesus knows what's in your and my heart. But what Jesus really wants us to see is what's in his heart. Let's look at it together, starting in verse 10. Jesus said to them, The one who has bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done. Jesus knows and he knew what will be wrung out of his disciples' hearts under that hour of pressure. But what Jesus also knew is that what would be wrung out of his heart under pressure had the ability to cleanse and to cover and to heal what was exposed in their moment of weakness. There's no limitations to Jesus's love. Like we bump into constantly the limitations to our own love. And that's because Jesus's love is the very love of the Father. It's a love that looks forward to the cross where he's going to offer himself for their sins, where he's going to offer himself for their cleansing and for their ultimate healing, for their salvation, and that he can look back at them. And on the basis of what he's about to do, he can say, you are already completely clean. Even now, this is Jesus's heart for us. I mean, that's how strong and how resilient his love is that he would go to the cross, that he wants to wash us, that his heart is actually to cleanse us and to heal us, to not shame us for what's exposed, but to love us and to heal us. And he, he invites us, even as he sits at the right hand of the Father now, to come to him with whatever's been wrung out of our hearts this week, whatever's been exposed, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and to receive his cleansing love, I think the final thing that we see in our text tonight is that as we receive Jesus and as we receive his love, the washing of the unclean things that get wrung from our heart, we're actually made into resilient lovers. Look with me at, at verse 14. If I then, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done to you. I think there's an order to this that Jesus sets up intentionally. It's an order that we have to, to make sure we pay attention to. Jesus washes their feet, and then he tells them to wash one another's feet. Jesus is the good shepherd who first lays down his life for the flock, and then he invites his disciples following him to lay down their lives for one another. 
Jesus says, love each other the way that I've loved you. The implication is we've experienced and received the love of Jesus first, the unique, resilient love of Jesus. And then and only then, as we're filled with Jesus's love, are we able to actually become and to be that kind of resilient love for others. So Jesus, he does want to give us an example. He says in this text, I've given you an example. But it would be so burdensome if Jesus gave us an example without actually giving us himself. Jesus desires, even tonight, to pour his life and his love into you, to cleanse the things that are that are unclean, to cleanse the things that need to be healed, to wash them, to bind them up, and ultimately to give each of us his own heart. He wants to give us a heart that when the pressures of this crisis twist us this week, we pour out his own love. And this can only happen as we intentionally commit to abide with him to be with him and to receive his love and his heart for us. So let him wash away the anxiety and the anger, the apathy, the selfishness and cynicism that's gonna well up in our hearts throughout this week to slow down and to be with him. One of the ways that you can receive the cleansing love of Jesus this week is tomorrow night we're going to be offering confession. Uh, you can virtually get paired up with one of Emmanuel's trusted leaders, and you can confess your sins. You can confess maybe the shameful or the the uh, unclean or the the unpleasant things that have come out of your heart and your life during the last few weeks. You can bring them before the Lord, and you can receive his cleansing love to wash you, you can receive his forgiveness to free you, to be able to love others more deeply and more truly. Or maybe maybe you're watching this tonight and you've walked away from the faith if you grew up in the faith, or maybe you've never, you've never been a Christian before, you've never received Jesus and his cleansing love. You've never been united to him and received the free gift of salvation. I'd encourage you to come to Jesus tonight, even pray a simple prayer, as simple as Jesus, I welcome you into my own life. Jesus, I want to receive your cleansing love. I want to be washed of my sins. I want your spirit to indwell me, and I want you to give me your heart. That's a prayer that, that the Lord honors, the Lord sees you, and he desires to give you his heart. He desires to have his own love living inside of you. So may each of us, as we continue to press forward in this holy week, may we be able to receive the fullness of Jesus' love, to be able to understand, to have the, the, um, our minds and our hearts enlightened by the love of God. And may we be able to experience that love of Jesus, which loves us to the end. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.